Let's talk about why I'm wearing pants. Actually, let's not, but let's talk about ayahuasca. I am honored, nervous, and really, really excited because after Devin and I had that short show talking about our experiences, I got a lot of DMs, a lot of questions, and stretched myself a ton. And Devin and I sat down and we had an open conversation about our experiences with ayahuasca, plant medicine, other modalities, how they apply to our life, how they apply to our business. And even in this podcast, I share (laughs) about my ego death, some very, very dark parts and shadows that I now love and integrated. And so I feel very raw, very vulnerable, uh, and very excited to share this though. And I'm literally sitting here. And if you're watching this, I'm, I'm wiping my hands together because my palms are sweaty. And so I hope you enjoy. This show is probably one of my favorites because I feel like it is all of me. And so without further ado, I'm going to stop bumping my gums and I'm going to let us get into the episode. And so I love you. I appreciate you. And I will see you inside of the episode. So let's cue that intro. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show. This this one's going to be an interesting one. This feels like more of like Mr. Rogers Corner with George's friend or a conversation that would happen behind closed doors with a man I trust. But I'm actually really, really excited. So just for the record, I preemptively turned down my heater because I know I'm probably going to sweat just based on the context of today's conversation. And so just for everybody listening, uh, if you listen to the Monday show uh, with my buddy Devin and I, Devin Ortiz, we, we kind of got into um, plant medicine because he's a dear friend. I got to meet him. We had some incredible conversations and he asked me a question and the question kind of turned into, oh, yeah, everybody would probably benefit from hearing this. And then I was like, oh, we need to unpack this all the way, not just in a 15 to 20 minute thing and so that leads us to today so i'm excited i'm stoked so devin welcome back to the show in another like interesting way to be on the podcast (laughs) yeah thank you for having me i'm excited dude me too i'm i'm stoked so just so everybody kind of understands who we are how we met how we kind of got to here can you kind of tell everybody kind of like what you do now and then like how we got here like how we got to devin today Got it. So yes, I'm a real estate agent, investor, entrepreneur out of San Diego. And the reason why we met was serving and being in a state of growth, right? So you were serving an audience, a community. I was one of the people that rose my hand that said, hey, I want to be in this room with these people. I'm not sure the value that's going to be delivered, but I know that when I surround myself with people that pay, you oftentimes pay attention a lot more than things that are just given out for free. So being in Arizona at the Play Bigger event and being able to overhear your story, I was like, wow, of all the speakers, my story and and I felt your story that you told had us connect, connect. And after the actual conference is when I came up to you, asked you a few questions and we kind of understood 
that we're brothers in yeah. arms, but we're also brothers from a spiritual plant medicine background and also from probably uh, the trauma bonds. Oh, right? facts. Facts. <laughs> so, what, what do you mean? Probably trauma bonds. It's like, hi, like, yeah. I see you. I know. I know you. And shout, just quick moment to shout out the queen, Raquel. Uh, Raquel from Play Bigger. Uh, we absolutely love you to pieces. You're absolutely amazing. If you guys don't know who Raquel is, you should. We tag her on Instagram all the time. I think it's like, it's Raquel. She's just the queen. Find her. Raquel, we love you. Um, yeah. And so now you do real estate, real estate in San Diego. Invest. Do all that magical stuff, right? And then kind of... How'd you get into real estate? How'd you start? Where did we trauma bond? Where where did we get to here? Yeah, so originally I left a battered woman's shelter at the age of five years old. My mother, my brother, my sister, and I, where this gentleman had allowed us to stay in the back bedroom of his home. And that was the very first place in which I ever knew to be safe and secure and really allow me to be a kid because the first five years of my life was just utter chaos, survival, survival, you name it, just so much stuff happening on a daily basis. And that was really the catalyst for allowing me to grow into a young boy, even though it was a short lived um, type of place. I remember that feeling that it gave me. And then from there, I ended up being suspended 29 times by the time I hit ninth grade, had an average GPA of 1.6. Uh, I was expelled my very first year, uh, freshman year. I also started living on my own at the age of 15 years old. My freshman year, my mom ended up moving to Montana. And to the last day of first semester of freshman year, my mom was like, hey, we're moving to Montana. And I was a young, educated, uneducated kid. And I was like, I don't even know where Montana is. I'm not going to Montana. We don't even know anyone out there. Yep. So I ended up running away. Long story short, never stepped foot into junior year of high school, started living um, after couch surfing place, place and being kicked out by all my friends and their parents. I ended up getting my first apartment when I was 17 years old. And then mm -hmm. I joined the service at the age of 18. Mm -hmm. I bought my very first property at the age of 21, which Ooh. was mind blowing because I used to think everyone just paid the landlord. I had no idea that there was a difference between renters and owners. I didn't even know ownership even existed. Yep. Then from there, I started to understand the ability to turn a house into a business, leveraging debt. Then I understood that the system was really built against us. And even though I may have possessed the VA entitlement, no one told me about it. So I bought my very first property with the FHA loan, et cetera. And so I started thinking about ways to create passive income through real estate, which led me to my second property. And then boom, I made $2,700 a month in passive income. Then the light bulb went off and I said, hey, maybe I don't have to stay in the military for an entire 20 year career and I can bow out due to the financial security, which now has been creative and uh, created and the eye opening aspect of being able to create money while you sleep, which was another foreign language to me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to dig in deep, like a deep dive into that while also fighting professionally. I fought 14 times throughout my 10 year stint in the United States military. And there was just so much growth through this time in my life from, say, 18 to 28. I transitioned out because there was a massive 
need that I saw. And a wise man once told me, Devin, the riches are in the niches. So when you become a subject matter expert and you identify a niche, you identify a need, you fill a need and you get rich. But ultimately, when you help others get what they want, you will get what you want when you help God's people, Grace's mm -hmm. people, the universe's people. Mm -hmm. So in a 30,000 foot view, our military, our trauma we've been through in life, our resiliency and our, our background, as well as this... I don't know what they, how you could really articulate it, but they say when you're called yeah. to speak to Mother Ayahuasca, that yeah. is something that certain people only get that calling in this life. And both of us have felt that calling. And when I heard your story, Facts. I was like, there's no one else in this room that is more my people than you are my people. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to reach out, extend a hand, introduce myself. And then from there, we've slowly cultivated this relationship, which I hope this is merely just the infancy stages and being able to deliver high value content, education, and soulful experiences by leading my example for us both to the general public and the people of this world. Yeah, man, I, I love it. So just before we go any deeper for everybody listening, uh, we're going to talk about ayahuasca, but I want to kind of make a disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, not a therapist. These are not recommendations. This is my experience, his experience. And I'm just going to start with like right out the gate because I'm going to say what I believe to be true because I've seen every side of it and somebody that's facilitated, not facilitated, but sat with and experienced the medicine. I've heard it all from it's horrible. It's a cult. It's a boom. It's a blank. It's a drug. It's a blah, blah, blah. Listen, everybody. You know when you know. It's not up to anybody else to decide. It's you and yours and your relationship. So nowhere am I making any recommendations. I'm going to speak soulfully from like my own experience. Um, and so, yeah. So first, Evan, before I even like do anything, like thank you for sharing all of that. And for those that listen to the podcast, <laughs> you can see how when the two little homeless kids in the audience that were both in the military speak for 10 seconds, you're like, I know you. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, I know you too. Good to see you. You want to play dodgeball? Like that's that's what it what it felt like. And and just an incredible testament, by the way. Like I don't want to skip over your story or anything. Like just incredibly grateful that you share it, that you do the work, that you use it as a way to help people. Like I just am honored to to know you. And so thank you for sharing that. So because on the last podcast, I talked kind of the whole time. And then you kind of asked me, my question to you is like, kind of what has been your experience with ayahuasca and like what lessons or takeaways or things have you integrated or how do you use it now? And I'll kind of frame the same thing over to you. Yeah. So ayahuasca was a breath of fresh air. It was a savior to my life. It was what allowed me to understand the world from a different perspective and do a lot of deep internal searching. Now, trust me, I mean, being suspended 29 times by the time I hit ninth grade, you're talking about everything from teachers telling my mom, hey, he needs to be on Ritalin to yeah. putting me on Ritalin to therapists out the wazoo. I didn't meet my father until I was about 12, 13 years old. He was in prison over the phone. And so... I've been through my fair share of family therapy, individual therapy, 
uh, EMDR therapy, the yep. eye rapid movement desensitization reprogramming. Yep. I've gone down the rabbit hole trying to fix myself. And yep. what do we know about people in general? We want the quickest, most instantaneous fix, etc. And I just felt like going through the traditional way of healing myself it's hard because I'm getting the guidance from other humans that are also dysfunctional, that also don't have everything intact, that everyone's just trying to do the best they can with what they have. And yes, do some of the techniques and the coping mechanisms and everything else work 100%, but there was nothing that scraped the surface on the amount of value I got out of one week or just one ceremony or a few ceremonies mm -hmm. in South America. Mm -hmm with plant medicine. And it wasn't until someone that really, really cared about me, sat me down and said, Hey, I've always believed in you. I've never given up on you. And I believe I found something in this world that can help you. Mm -hmm. I've always seen your potential and you've always worked at unlocking your potential, but your these generational curses just have you chained and strapped. And I see you fighting for a better life, but it's taking so long and it's so hard. I want I've, I've never given up and I found something that if you would dedicate 30 minutes of your time to watching this with me, I think you'll be mind blown. Mm -hmm. And it was a documentary on Michelle Rodriguez being down mm -hmm. in Peru. And I had previously heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast. So it already been planted, planted in my brain in the seed. But then when someone brings it up to you close mm -hmm. to you, sits you down at the end of that 30 minute little segment, I just looked at her and I was like, we doing this? And she's mm -hmm. like, yeah, are you down to do it? And I say, yeah, absolutely. But you have to find the right place that's vetted, et cetera. So we went down there yep. and it was, it was very scary. I think anything that you get in life, you have to put in work in order to get it. It mm -hmm. was exiting my comfort zone, but on the mm -hmm. other side of everything that I went through, the clarification, the understanding and the mm -hmm. release that I got in my soul was something in which no medicine I ever been on, no amount of therapy, the hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, I've paid yeah. out of pocket away from the VA mm -hmm. medical $250 an hour to be mm -hmm. fixed because I just needed it in my soul. I've been in those mm -hmm. dark places where you may think about taking your life, right? Mm -hmm. I think most people at some point in their life will contemplate suicide or if, mm -hmm. if life is just easier, if I'm no longer here, etc. And the amount of healing and the understanding that I got is something that's very hard to articulate. Yeah. And yeah. the best way that I could say it in a nutshell would be instead of believing in God, why not just know? Yeah. So I want to pause real quick. So hit a pause point because you said two very important things logistically that I don't want to pass over for everybody listening. Like number one, uh, and this is my belief mixed with something that Devin said, like I have this very, very deep rooted respect for plant medicine and know with any plant medicine or any breath work or any session of any kind that the set and setting dictates the entire experience and it is not something to take lightly and he said we need to make sure we go somewhere vetted yes like and trust me the best places i can name the few i've personally only been to rhythmia in costa rica uh, Lindsay has been to rhythmia and soltara i have friends that have been to both and traveled around but make sure you do your due diligence and it is about the medicine and the ceremony and the rituals and the the pieces so that you're safe. And then the other part that I wanted to hit that you acknowledge too, is that 
I hear a lot of people glorifying or glamorizing what happens or all these things. And like, I have to say that like the same thing Devin's speaking about, I was afraid. I'm still afraid, but the fear is not a, I'm afraid of my life. The fear is this respect. And also for me, it's this fear of this deep level of honesty and integrity and knowing that I can't hide from my own truth. Right. Like, and, and no matter what, the moment I'm there, I'm aware, I think of the medicine, I think of my mother ayahuasca, like I am just reminded that there's just this core truth. And that truth is what scares me. Because that's the truth that I have to hold myself accountable to every day. Like That's the knowing, that's the integration, right? And that's like my healthy, healthy fear. Because when you talk about it, and you talked about this too, and, and this is why we're so similar for everybody listening, like Everything that Devin talked about, same thing, right? Like I felt like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting because I wanted to be better. The VA wouldn't cover the care. EMDR was like the fifth standard. So I was doing prolonged exposure, cognitive behavioral therapy, and group therapy to check the boxes. I was paying out of pocket for EMDR. And then they were telling me all these things, but I wouldn't hold myself accountable. And I'm like, no, there has to be another way. There has to be another way. But my life was broken, like everything was broken and all those demons and shadows that you have and those things that made us good at our job and very very resilient and tenacious also were killing me stubbornly Mm -hmm. and so i had the same thing and the same tune so earlier and this is to close the loop for everybody when you said the calling or hearing the calling like Here's my belief when I'm driving down the road in silence and all of a sudden I have a thought pop in my head. I don't think I pre-installed that thought, right? It just showed up, right? Like it's like text somebody, call somebody, right? Like that's the quote unquote calling, intuition, God's whispers, whatever you want to call it. But it tends to surround you. And I had the same exact experience where I was working with Aubrey and Kyle at Onnit. I knew Michelle actually back then when they were making that and they were all immersed in that world. And I'm sitting here 250 pounds right? I'm 170 now. I'm struggling, but I'm grinding as hard as I can trying to fix it and be better. I'm doing all these modalities and therapies. I'm just exhausted. Everything's losing. And finally, I saw it there. I heard it. I had friends going. And then finally, it scared me enough. And I was like, okay, like I'm scared, but like I know what's on the other side of this. It reminded me of going to boot camp or when I made the decision I was going to do this or blank. Mm -hmm. And and that that's the fear for me. So I wanted to say that for everybody. So I I would love for you to continue, but I just think for everybody listening, it's not something to take lightly. It's, it's something that you respect and you understand because it's a tool. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people say, well, I have this spot in LA or in San Diego or wherever in East LA, there's a garage. And I'm like, you can do whatever you want. But with something so sacred, I'm not mm-hmm. sure why you would take shortcuts because you can't take shortcuts in healing. You can't take shortcuts mm-hmm. in life. And every single step, even if no one's looking that you've skipped over, life will eventually uncover that you took a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And it comes to the same thing with plant medicine. I take it very seriously. It's something that's very sacred around the world. And maybe not a lot of people are enlightened to it in America. But if you go to Peru, if you go to Costa Rica and other places, it's very highly respected and so, so well respected that oftentimes the local people don't do it. They're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So please don't take the shortcuts. Do your research mm-hmm. and you can always reach out if you want to know what 
places we've been to that are vetted mm-hmm. that will take care of you if, if this mm-hmm. is something you feel called to do. Same thing such as yourself when something comes to your top of mind or for me when I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast and then from there I heard about it somewhere else and then someone in my life brings it up to me and sits me down. Once I started paying attention to what life was trying to tell me is when my real life started to change even prior to ayahuasca was opening up to the bumper stickers are not just the bumper stickers. The street signs are not just the street signs. It's life is trying to send you signals and you are not operating on a conscious level that's open enough to take in this information that's trying to be fed to you because... Life is always trying to teach you something. So I tell people never stop learning because life never stops teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when it comes, when it comes to ayahuasca, it was something that allowed me to undo some of those things, right? Or your strength is also your weakness, our grittiness, our determination, our will to want to have a better life. Also, I'm sure I don't know your entire story, but just yep. like myself, we want it so much. We bring anxiety to the equation. We'll yep. burn down everything. We'll yep. cancel Christmas. If we have to put in 18 hours on Christmas, we absolutely will. And we won't yep. flinch, yep. right? It's just, we have to sacrifice and get it done. But what does that happen? When you bring that type of energy, it starts manifesting in everything you do. Your people feel it. You manifest inside your body. I was getting sick, right? Like mm-hmm. the army took out my gallbladder and then IBS and internal yep. um, intestines being bloated. And my tenacious aspect that's gotten me to this point in life is also becoming something that's tearing me down from the inside out. And everything is connected in life in this world your mindset your body and everything else like that so when I went down there I understood that it was a very very sacred thing that people have been doing this and they dedicate their entire lives these shaman right oftentimes Mm -hmm. started doing ayahuasca when they're when they're five five, six six, seven eight years old and so they do it a lot and they are the medicine they are the hospital Mm -hmm. essentially for Mm -hmm. for their region and where they're from and I knew it was real right from the get-go, starting with the pre-ceremonies, whether it was your intention-setting ceremony, your cocoa leaf reading, etc., mm-hmm. because there was things that they knew that had never been disclosed. Mm-hmm. And then once I had my very first journey, because we are fighting spirits, first it checked my ego in a major way and it wiped the floor with yep. me and raked me in the coals. But uh-huh. everything I saw was not a direct, like if someone else saw it, they'd be like, what am I seeing right now? But what I saw was a direct representation of what was going on within me. So my very first vision, when it shot me out like a cannon, I saw this str- like string or a cord that was horizontal and parallel with with say the ground then there was this tension cord that is attached to this gremlin that was trying to just eat me ferociously Mm -hmm. and if it would just had enough situational awareness to realize that it wanted to get me so bad it was missing the point that it just had to relax go go past the tension cord come up it would have eaten me and i knew that that was a representation of me attacking life Yep. I was wound too tight. I wasn't having situational awareness and understanding what was going on around me. And every time that my soul truly learned the lesson in that moment is when it transitioned me to another learning lesson throughout the journey. Mm-hmm. But 
I there was times where my mind and my soul would be on different pages going through these journeys. And I'd be like, okay, okay, I, I surrender, I surrender. And it was like, no, you don't. And it wouldn't yeah. let me pass and go to the next learning lesson yeah. until it really did. So one of the things for me, I've always battled with daily anxiety. And maybe I'm not sure if this is something you dealt with transitioning out of the military. There was somewhere just jumping out of bed, like if you're in basic training yep. and just yep. going, going, going. So it took my spirit and it took like a cup. And imagine putting your entire spirit and filling it and turning this cup upside down and trapping your spirit inside of that cup. Yep. It was anxiety bouncing off the off the walls, raiding, get me out, get me out. And it wasn't until it completely crushed me and submerged me and made my soul relax. I didn't realize that the lessons in that moment was it was alleviating the daily anxiety that I'll feel. Or, I, or that I won't feel for the rest of my life going uh -huh. through these moments of high pressure, high anxiety situations throughout this journey. And that's how my journey first started in ayahuasca. Every time my hands sweat, my feet sweat. Yep. And the shamans say, be courageous and go through this because it is not an easy experience. But when you have one of the gifts that we have, the gift of long suffering, we say, instead of having a lifetime of this, whatever I have to do today, to come out on the other side, a better person, a better brother, a better husband, a better father, a better spirit in this entire world, we're willing to go through it because we understand that this pain that we have in our lives is just so hard and so painful. Why wouldn't I rather ramp up some of the discomfort for a shorter amount of time to have a bigger light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, my, my buddy Brian Barger, who's been on the show a few times, uh, had his arm ripped off when he was nine and reattached. And it's smaller, but he has a talk called Embrace Pain to Avoid Suffering because that's the human experience, right? To have the highs of the highs, you have to feel the lows of the lows. And I, I have to say this, how you articulated that was so good to describe like what an ayahuasca experience is like and, and relative. So for everybody listening, and I'm going to frame this, if you've ever done breath work, if you've ever done a guided meditation, if you've ever closed your eyes in silence, if you've ever been there and you've seen an image or you've heard a thought or you saw a voice or heard a voice or something, all of those we call downloads and everybody sees things differently, right? Like on ayahuasca, some people see, and they, they, they will tell you this depending on where you go. There's, there's typically a tip, a few typical things you'll experience like sacred geometry or a pinto, which is like psychedelic visuals or a nada, which is considered super, super sacred or like downloads, right? Which is you might see somebody or you might hear a voice or somebody might be talking to you or like, it's almost like you're running through your life in your head, right? Some, it, it's different for everybody, but it's relative. But I also want to relate to people that it's the same on ayahuasca as it is on breath work, as it is on psilocybin, as it is on any modality where you're connecting deeply to yourself because plant medicine doesn't give you anything you don't have. It, it gets you connected to the deepest level to who you are. Well, in your articulation, so well put, while showing you all the noise and cloudiness you have on your lens and all the mental fighting that we do on the inside that gets in the way of that clarity because I had the same thing. My first one and my ego was like, give me the medicine. I want to fix my life. This is the solution. Let's fucking go. Give me all the cups, right? 
And my first two nights, bro, and you'll appreciate this, five cups in and nothing, nothing, nada. And it was because I was so frustrated. I was trying to control it all. It was just, and one of the things that they tell you in the briefing of these is the most important thing. It says the medicine will always give you exactly what you need. Might not look like you want it to, but for me, I was trying to control it. I was trying to fight it. And then I'll never forget the morning of day three, I broke, I broke down in front of the shaman. I was dry heaving, vomiting, sober, like just out of frustration of surrender. And I was like, I don't even want to come tonight. Like I was so done. I was ready to leave. I was like, give me my money back. <laughs> like I was that guy. And he's like, I just want you to come. And I was like, I'll come. And I, they called for the first cup and I'll never forget this. And I was like, whatever, <laughs> like no intention, no nothing. And bro, I swear to God, my mattress was 25 feet away. And about five feet before my mattress, I fell on the floor and I was in a different universe. Like it didn't even swallow it all the way and I was gone. And then that night turned into like one of the most transformative nights of my life. But same thing is that this superpower, this survival mechanism of hypervigilance and control and manipulation and false authenticity because I needed an angle to be safe and to survive and then winning everything to prove my worth and all this suffering and then realizing that I didn't know who I was. And I was the stories that I'd been telling, including I'm the homeless guy. I, my parents abused me, the boom. And like I created this world where I just wanted to be known as this victim. And so I was faced literally with what felt like the longest, most suffering point of my life because my body was physically like fighting it. And they kept whispering to me, surrender, brother, like trust, breathe, surrender. And I would, and then it would like not back up. And like one of the things that gets me is, you know, those intense psychedelic, like visuals, psychedelic -y, they make me really nauseous. And it started coming and I was like, no, no, no. And it just got closer. And, and I was like, uh, and then finally it felt like it literally was going to kill me. Like it felt like my whole body was going to explode open with psychedelic patterns. And it got to a point where I literally physically couldn't fight anymore. And it was like, just let go. And when I let go, everything went to like white. I met God, not for the first time, but met God. And then I was standing at my father's grave and I was met with, I'm not on the medicine. I saw my wife, my kids, and I had to leave like forever. Like I was done. My human experience was over and I had to bury myself alive in my father's grave. And that was me fully surrendering to the hardest thing, which is always that last breath or the last step when nobody's looking that like integrous piece that I've always like really, really thought. And I did. And the next moment I was like reborn as my spirit animal, very, very humbled, <laughs> very, very surrendered. And it like hasn't left since. And that was like probably the biggest, biggest one for me and relatively <laughs> the same because it looked like a lot of different things. Sometimes I had visuals and then it would like, I'd have this clarity and it's like, oh yeah, no, you don't get that because you're thinking this and you're thinking this and you're thinking this. And I rem remember one moment and I think everybody might appreciate this, but in the middle before that happened. And I just remembered when this happened, it kept coming up around me being like a husband and being a father and like not recreating the generational patterns. Right. And like being that example for my son. 
but I just kept literally beating the shit out of myself, like on the medicine, like boom and boom and boom. And um, I'll never forget this because it instantly flashed me into my room of my birth. And I got to witness my birth. And like I came out of my mother and like literally I could tell you who was in the room. And I called my mother after this, by the way. And uh, it paused and my body turned into a DNA helix. And there was a broken strand in the middle. And in front of me, like God, Mother Ayahuasca, like kind of spun it into me and said, you're not broken anymore. And it was like this warm rush of self-love, of acceptance of like, holy shit, this is what it feels like to be held and to be loved and to feel. And I was convinced for 34 years I couldn't feel because I was numb from the trauma and the survival. And it didn't mean that the joy stayed. I was like, holy shit, I have the capacity to feel. But like that was one of the greatest moments I've ever had in my life. And in relation to sadness or other things that have happened since, it feels like nothing. <laughs> compared to that joy and that knowing that it gave me. But then this is my lesson. Like in the follow on, every time I've sat with her sense, and I think I've sat either 12 or 16 times, I'd have to look to be in integrity, but somewhere in that range, it's always like, good to see you again. But why are you here? It's like, you know, you know, you love yourself. You know, the answer, you know, the tool, your job is to choose it every day. And if the radio dial ever gets off the wrong knob, you have to turn it back. Like there's nothing in here for you. And then I'm reminded that like in breath, I've literally had crazier experiences or in like a five minute meditation, I've like seen mother ayahuasca again and, and been given a message. Right. And, and, and you know this. And I think one of the most beautiful gifts is that like it, it does something at like the deepest level. And every day I'm reminded, I see this thing that remembers this experience that was like with that belief. And it was like all these triggers that were in my life that were surrounding me that I was using as evidence to feed my shadow in the wound. Now I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no, we talked about that. Oh, we worked about that. Oh, look, I can use this for good. I can help people like, oh, this is just me feeling a feeling. Oh, this is part of that experience. Oh, I'm being hypervigilant. This is a good skill to have when used correctly, but let's not think I need to have a plan to kill the first seven people that I see. <laughs> right. Mm, like, and yeah. it's just for me, what it's, what it's led to. And, and I would describe it as like ayahuasca God. And I, and I consider them one in the same now, <laughs> mm. uh, a connection to source, whatever you want to call it basically showed me that there was this radio station that existed that I'd always dreamed of called happiness and joy and clarity and alignment and self-love and all these things. And then she showed it to me. But then the life that I live in the world tunes me out of it and asks me, like, do you remember? Do you still see it? Because only I can find it, right? It's only mine. It's me in the mirror. And, and I think, you know, for me, I said this earlier, is like the fear is that at the end of the day, even when I think of ayahuasca, it eradicates all the oxygen out of my excuses. If I'm feeling scarce, if I'm feeling like a failure, if I'm feel like anything, like the moment I have an anchor back in, I'm like, yeah, but you know, that's not true. Like you have no evidence to support that you have none. And that's what's so funny. What you alluded to earlier is the benefit of me having to invest all that money in those modalities as well, like EMDR and cognitive behavioral therapy. I use all of them now with the new awarenesses to anchor in 
like mm. the EMDR or the physical anchors of the ring to anchor in the new awarenesses. And so the tools are incredible. And, and I would say for everybody, EMDR saved my life. It's actually the thing that brought me the level of healing that opened me up to plant medicine. Nothing else had worked before then because my nervous system would get too overwhelmed. And all these modalities work and exist, but I will say in the best way that I've ever heard it described is, is for me, ayahuasca or most plant medicine it has the ability to be 25 years of therapy in one night. And then your physical body and soul, including heart, emotions, and everything feels like you did 25 years of therapy. Even though time feels compressed and then it's being gentle and soft and just allowing the space for it to integrate and then just, you know, very gently going forward. So, yeah, I just had to share that when you shared because I, I felt like it was the perfect time. So, which is a great example of no other medicine that I know of or treatment that we currently have has the ability to take you back to coming out of the womb. You're not the first one that I've heard say that and how everything is of always, always recording your subconscious. So it allows you to trigger and go back into memory when data suggests we can only use eight to 12% of our brain, but that's not true. This medicine allows you to access those deep components that have always been recording and allow you to heal in those moments and be vulnerable, which is yeah. a great example of how powerful this medicine truly is and what a blessing it is for you to now feel that self-love, which is the same thing that I felt at the end of my very first ceremony. Mm -hmm. You know how everyone comes to, <laughs> you start hearing a little chuckling, you start hearing people crying, but happy oh, yeah. cries. You start uh, hearing the shaman, you mean clearing the space. It's different for end. everybody, but yeah, you hear it all. You're just hearing it all, but everything is operating on such a magnificent, beautiful tune. It's harmonious harmonious for sure and then everyone ends up eventually kind of talking and i'm there quiet and everyone's like what's going on with you dev are you good and i just laid in my blanket and i didn't move all night i stayed in the ceremony room i didn't talk to anyone for 24 hours until the next night for the ceremony because i had never felt self-love ever in my entire life i did four I days in silence bro four days the dude I know you know this, and I know I'm going to say this, but I know you're also, you were the talker, and we could talk our way into and out of everything. So when you got there, you're like, hey, here's why I'm here. Here's my story. Here's my background. Here's my boom, which was me. And I'm telling you, bro, I had the same thing. My body couldn't physically use words for like four days. And, and she was like, you have nothing to say. You have nothing to say. Just be. Just be. I get that so much like it literally shivered my body which is why i interrupted you i was like yes yes that and so these lessons that now we take throughout our days our weeks our months and our years that provide us additional clarity to where i think it also puts time in perspective that's not really linear right because yes. when you're in those circumstances you realize that it's eternal it's everlasting it's forever there's multiple dimensions operating at one time and that there's a deeper, more complex scenario and situation than what we can actually rationalize, rationalize and download. And if we had all this information, if you think suicides are up right now, people would be jumping off of 
cliffs, bridges left and right because the amount of information you're getting, you just heard it from the man himself, could not speak for four days. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk to anyone for an entire day and we're extreme talkers. We articulate at a high level. We, uh, one of our gifts is, is the gift of being able to communicate verbally. Mm -hmm. So for it to have that type of impact, but so many different lessons that have been learned. One of the greatest lessons, and I have a bunch of them, and downloads and information to talk to people when I come back. But I had asked her during one of my last ceremonies, can you show me as a child? I want to see Devin as a child. Mm. And she said, look, there you are. And it's scorched earth. There is nothing there. It looks like a California wildfire or in Missoula, right? Where there's some crazy gnarly fires up in Montana. And everything was scorched, all black, nothing living. And then there's one tree. And she says, that's you. And I'm like, that's me? Like the tree? And she's like, yeah, that's you. I said, but there's nothing living there. There's nothing growing. And she's like, that's what a lot of people think about you. And I'm like, but there's no green foliage. Like, can I get a, can we tear that tree out and plant a banana tree, green, lush, full of vegetation, just healthy? She said, no. I said, why not? She said, because that's not you. She said, do you see how everything is dead around it? But somehow this tree continues to grow even when there's nothing green on it. So, yeah. And she said, that's a gift. That's something amazing that no matter what, it will continue to survive regardless of the most harshest circumstances ever. Now, if you really want to grow, you have to grow from the inside out. If you want greenery, if you want foliage, if you want to be lush, you have to grow from the inside out. And I was like. Okay, but how do how do I do that? And so she took out my heart and there was only three branches at the top and everything's black all around it, right? And there's three little branches, she took my heart and she hung my heart on one of the limbs. And she said, you have to forgive. And I was like, what? And there was my heart and she said, you see all the gashes? Yeah, and my heart was just been gashed over and over and over. And I've been built up of scar tissue, all the little cuts throughout my entire life that I just callous my mind, I continue to push forward, etc. And she took me down this path of forgiveness of your mother did this because she was a baby having babies. Your father did this because he never knew about you. And he didn't have this He wasn't equipped with this, this person this ex-girlfriend, this business partner, this person in the military, this teacher that told you you'll never become a professional athlete. This is where it comes from. And it showed me that everyone was just projecting their own insecurities, their own traumas, etc. And it has nothing to do with that person cussing you out on road rage. That is a deep rooted issue with inside of them that the road and the traffic is merely exploiting that in that situation, but it's way more deep rooted than that. So she took me through a path of forgiveness to where I was able to forgive everyone that had really done a lot of damage to me, which was a great learning lesson for me to understand how I'm going to maneuver through life, okay. how I'm going to forgive people on a daily basis, how I'm going to for, how I'm going to pray for people and how I really have to change from the inside out. We want everything. Everything's so external. You open your eyes, you look outside, everything's outside, outside. What can I get? How can I download more? How can I have more of? 
when really there's an abundance for all in this universe and this world and it all starts within and handling my self-talk i'm not sure about you but i would always we're working out right the last rep and i would have negative self-talk yep hey mother refer good job yeah speaking into yeah Hey, King, I, you I tell it. you, like, you if you this, had to it, ask one question or summarize the biggest you know? breakthrough I, lesson, anything from personal development, plant medicine, and all of it, the most effective, hands down, is controlling my self-talk. And I think it's for everybody and speaking into myself and speaking into my strengths and also having forgiveness. But date more than you did yesterday. Let's go, right? And like constantly celebrating. And, and it's a muscle that I, I think is... It's my deepest, deepest foundational anchor point and barometer of like how things are going around me. Like it's the easiest place to go to like course correct or adjust or even figure out why results around me might not be ideal. And it's typically because of how I'm talking to myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And you hear that and most of the time we don't say it out loud so no one knows. But if you really are honest with yourself, would you allow someone to talk to your son that way yep. to your best friend? You'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't talk to my son like that. Don't talk to my Bro, best friend. That's why friend. I and literally call myself out on it. You've heard me do this. I'll say it. I'm like, wait, wait, no, I was just mean to up. myself. Screw that shit. That's right. Like, mean. and it's like, it's this muscle. I've done it before. Someone's like, did you just say cancel three times? I'm like, yeah, because I said something bad in my head. Yeah. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I don't want that stuff in there. Like delete. I don't want to remember that song lyric. Right. Not every, every not every lyric has to be memorized. <laughs> Let's memorize the good ones and tattoo those ones in there. Yeah. yeah. And so how is that transition great, into your daily great, rituals? Yeah, great question. I actually I love this question. And real quick and, and before I forget the loop, earlier abundance. When we were right? talking about access to this information, there's somebody I gotta give massive credit to. Rick Doblin founded MAPS for everybody listening, the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic services or sciences. I think it's sciences. And he's the one who got uh MDMA and psilocybin into physical phase four clinical trials from like nineteen eighty two until now and legally approved. And and by the way, MDMA assisted psychotherapy for everybody listening is the one thing that literally cured and opened my PTSD up to all of this because it was the first time I was able to feel and be in my trauma with love and not wanting to hurt or have that anger and all those pieces, right? But I, I recommend everybody check him out, check them out. They're incredible. They're a nonprofit. It's called MAPS, but you can get a ton of information there. And so for me, and, and in relation to your question, um, you know, the hardest part of some of this for me and even today, and these are the things I sit with in the morning, is that anytime I even find myself like, oh, I'm stuck or I'm insecure or I'm sad or I'm scared, and I'm like, I wish somebody had my answer. The moment my brain goes to like, oh, boo-hoo me, what's the answer? It's like, you know you have your answer, George. And so I have these like constant reminders, but I will say, and, and, and I'm going to sound really cheesy about this, but one thing that I'm really proud of myself for, and that I recognized at a very young age, and I'm sure you felt the same, is that one of the reasons I struggled with my therapists or with the people that I was hiring is I felt like a lot of them didn't have the capacity to hold me accountable, nor was it their job, but what I needed was like very strong person to like hold me accountable and I didn't have one. And so instead I used my environment 
to hold me accountable. So for everybody listening to this, if you go look and Google my name on Google Images and you look for a period of two years, there was a period where I only wore the same hoodie every day and it said work harder, but it wasn't work harder and like hustle. It was work harder on loving myself. And if you remember before and after that, I wore the same t-shirt and hoodie for two years that said unapologetically authentic. And that was when I was working on my negative self-talk and holding myself accountable to self-love. And so I preach environmental design like you would not even imagine, but like every morning, including this morning, when I wake up and I do my 10 minutes of stillness, and then I put that one song on that always puts me in a good mood with good song lyrics, right? And then I drive my same drive in silence. And then I walk into this office and I see the lighthouse and relationship speed algorithms, and my family wall and my quotes and everything. Like I surround myself with it. The music I listen to, I only listen to positive music. I've listened to shamans facilitate breath work, no negative, no bad. I literally try not to consume bad movies bad content, right? Like I literally try to control what I'm allowing to program as my dear friend, Jim Quick says, my subconscious supercomputer, which is what runs my decisions every day. And it took me years to recognize this, but on the tail end of that first ayahuasca experience, what had happened before that massive ego death was my buddy Shamp, my buddy Brad, the shaman, said my biggest problem is that <laughs> I didn't know who I wanted to be because I was too busy being somebody for everybody else because that's how I survived. And so he had me write down on a piece of paper, you know, what my purpose was. And when it came out, the clarity that came to me on that journey was give away the company, which you've heard about. And I literally gave away an entire food blog, social media, everything in like 48 hours. But then it literally was like, don't consume, just create. And I made a rule not to consume any content for two years. No books, no music, no videos, no boom. And that's when my consulting career started and took off with no website, no social media, no anything. But like when I didn't have the distraction of consuming, all I could do is create. And when I wasn't getting all that noise in, I was left with, what do I want to be? And so I've held myself that at a very, very deep level with like environmental design and with containers and structure, not to be militaristic, not that like I have to get up at 4am every day, but like, Hey, every day, no matter what, 10 minutes of breath work, it's a non-negotiable. And if you can't squeeze in 10 minutes a day, you're lying to yourself and it's going to get really painful. Right. And it's, it's putting these parameters in place that say, this is who I want to be. This is the man I said I wanted. These are the results that I said I wanted. This is why we've, I've lived the life that I've lived. This is how I want to help people. So what workout or container can I put into place knowing that time isn't linear, but also I'm not getting any more of it in this lens. And there is no such thing as pause. It's either growth or death. And so for me now, I try to use my environment, my habits, my models, so that any moment I'm allowing an emotion to stop me from taking an action that's aligned with who I want to be in the future, I can feel it, eradicate it as quickly as possible, and then get back into being it. Because if I'm sitting in my house, and my son's sitting on his iPad, and I'm downstairs doing an errand and putting my laundry away, and then I start ruminating for 20 minutes about how bad of a father I am, that's not going to help either of us. But if I catch it in 30 seconds and I go upstairs and I tickle the shit out of them, both of us are going to fill our bucket and I'm going to make a memory and do something in that moment, right? And just like if I catch myself knee deep in the almond butter and enjoy life chocolate chips, which is my guilty pleasure, 
right? And then I'm like, holy shit, I've been mindlessly eating these things for the last hour. Well, what I used to do is like, oh, you fat slob, screw your diet, tighten up, get up at 4 a.m. tomorrow, don't do that again. And I'm like, God, that was really good. Let's celebrate it. And I'm like, oh, no, let's just hit my steps tomorrow morning. Let's not do that again. But that tasted good as shit, right? And so it's it's just this really, really gentle, graceful, I'm the only athlete in my universe. I'm the only yeah. one that exists on my field. And I'm the yeah. only one who can play the game. But if I can only win and make progress when I'm executing plays, then I need to respect myself. I need to honor myself. I need to be gentle with myself. And I need to use every ounce of my world to help me perform and win that. And yes, sometimes that's uncomfortable, right? Like I remember when I went from having no TV in the bed or TV in the bedroom to no TV in the bedroom. That I remember when I went to, fuck, am I really going to do a cold shower every day for a year, right? And then I went to, am I really going to do no phone in the bedroom? And those nights where I just wanted to go get it, right? But now I can't imagine ever going into my bedroom and having a TV and falling asleep with it, knowing how shitty it affects my sleep and how crappy I'd feel the next day. But there was a point in my life five years ago where I literally thought like you were throwing me in prison because I grew up homeless without any of that. I'm like, I work so hard to have this. Why can't I have this? Like, no, I want to lay in my fucking bed on a Thursday night and watch my Netflix. But then when I wake up the next morning and I only slept for five hours and then I don't get my steps in and then I don't have the energy, I can't get upset about the results I don't have from the work. I didn't hold myself accountable to doing with the knowing that I already have. And so I'll say this to everybody. The hardest part for me is every morning when I'm having a conversation with myself, I can't lie to myself because I know she's shown me. I know that this is good for me and this isn't. I know that this will support me and this won't. I know that this thought and this one won't. And it's just a matter of grabbing that dial as many times as possible. And for me, I think the more I can remind myself of it. So the background of my phone, I change it every day based on how I feel. And there's three backgrounds I rotate through. My playlist on Spotify, I have one called Mind State Change Abundance, Mind State Change Positivity, Mind State Change Love. I literally just have these things and I'm like, oh, I'm driving. God, I feel like shit. Play. Right. And it's just this constant, like, let's tune back in and and I'm not perfect. I just practice it. But it, it makes me feel purposeful. It makes me feel happy. And then I get to be present with what's happening and what's experiencing. And I feel like the more I'm in those moments, the more I can hear what we called earlier, the, the, the messages, the downloads, the, the notes, right? And, and I tell this all the time, but like, I intentionally have a 35-minute commute to my office, but the amount of business that I've closed, because I'll leave my office when we're done with this podcast, and I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to drive by the mountains, and I'm going to have fucking gratitude for Devin, because we know each other on a level that both of us still haven't discovered based on the parts of this story coming out, right? And then I'll be driving and then I'll be like, oh, Dan. And my friend Dan will pop in my head. And then in that moment, instead of waiting, I'll just not be like, oh, why did Dan pop in my head? I'll be like, I'll open my phone. I'll record a video message I'm like, Dan, bro, I was driving by the mountains and you popped into my brain. No idea why, but I just want to say I love you. And literally, and I'm not joking, this is quantifiable. I've closed multiple seven figures of business just by doing that. But I had to get out of my own way. And my friend Brad, the mm -hmm. shaman, told me one of my biggest problems is I had never been quiet enough to hear God's whispers. And he said, all the answers you're looking for are whispers that you just can't hear because it's too noisy. 
And then I think about these things and I was like, yeah, I've never lost by trusting those. Like, what's the worst that happened? I text Dan and Dan's like, bro, it's so good to hear from you. Thank you for filling my bucket. Like I can't lose. But I also realized that for years I wrestled with this. And this is going to sound really silly to say, but I would have that thought. And I'm like, why would I text Dan? I'm like, why would I even think about that? Like, where did that come from? Why did I put that in my brain? Like, is that a shadow? Is that a boom? Like, literally completely wrestling back and forth and just ruminating and ruminating and then doing nothing, right? Or being in the middle of a a talk and be like, oh, I should say this, right? And then be like, oh, I'll say it here, I'll say it here. And then by the time you do it, it's gone. And whatever the magic was in that moment. And so like for me, one of the things that I focus on every day is like trusting myself. And for me, that means like if I'm driving, if I'm sad, if I'm on a hike, if I'm, I'm doing something, I get a thought. Even if it's not a quote unquote good thought, there's a reason it's there. And if I'm willing to unpack it and I'm willing to look at it, there's typically only magic for me in there. Bro, I know. I know. I just, I was in flow. I was in flow and I just kept going. I'm sorry. So much to unpack here. I tried not to interrupt. I tried not to interrupt you. Yeah. No, there's so much to unpack that I want to address because of the people listening. And I want to try and clearly articulate it to the best yep. of the ability. So one thing that I heard was you didn't get the experience or the breakthroughs necessary because you were used to being there for other people and not there for yourself. So mm-hmm. Brad had told you, hey, write it down and let's see who exactly you mm-hmm. are. That's when it led to breakthroughs. You had spoken about being there for your son and instead of presence, yep. it was presence, right? So being present in the moment, going up, tickling them, eating, you know I mean, some unhealthy food or whatever it is, just being there in the moment, not allowing him to be on his iPad or whatever else tied to accountability mm-hmm. and stillness on how oftentimes we put too much on our plate and it's a domino effect when we don't wake up at 4 a.m. and we wake up at 5, we feel like a failure. But how do we address that self-talk? How ayahuasca has also helped there in addition to doing things with love, because one of the um, things I learned on my first two ayahuasca experiences, it kept Mm -hmm. repeating it over and over. Everything starts and ends with love. Everything starts and ends with love. Within someone was coming in that people that I knew of things they told me, which is, I hope you find what you're looking for. And it was just like, oh, my goodness, I was in this sick, nasty, homesick place. Mm-hmm. But everything of, of love that just came out of everything that you were stating, in addition to those downloads. 100% accurate. 100% accurate on the first superpower. read. Here's what Not I've learned. Mention women I say this to all there. the ladies in my life. It is your about first women read. And your intuition, but Intuitively, it is if it comes from your feelings, I have learned. And all. I will say this in like 34 conscious years that I can remember, it is never wrong ever. And I've had so much evidence, bro. I just have to give them all credit. Yes. I support you in this all day, all day. Mm -hmm. And then when you pick up your phone, because someone comes on your mind and you send them that video message, if a picture's worth a thousand words, how much is a video worth these days? And you never know what someone's going through. So by thinking that negative self-talk, why would that person pop up in my head? What is going on or whatever? When you think about it as you are a part of the web and human and mankind. Every time, bro, every time, not every time. 
that you can never escape the energy that you put out. When you send that video, they can be like, oh my God, last night I had a dream about you. I was just thinking about you, etc." And there's a, no one truly wants to be alone. And that's why they lock people up and put them in solitary confinement 23 out of 24 hours a day. It's one of the mm -hmm. worst things you could do for humans. And so if you're going to be on this thing called a cell phone, yeah. and you can see that. No, and I, right I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you brought Adam it, you brought do. it all back. In, Use right? this in like, the right and, and way. For me, and you can really, for everybody listening to this, if you now lives. think about so some previous podcasts, talking episodes and I was where I say like, our right, emotions are like check engine lights in a race car. This will all make a whole lot more sense now. Right. So like for me, if I'm driving and Devin's name pops into my brain, it's like my check engine light came on. And all I have to do is take a peek at it, right? I'm like, oh, let's shoot Devin a text, right? Or I'm driving and I'm like, fuck, I feel like such a failure. And I'm like, why do I feel like such a failure? And I'm like, oh, I don't, but I should think about this thing, right? It's that these things are happening, all of them, and all of the messages are required to formulate an informed opinion. But what I did for years, and most of us were guilty, is like, oh, I don't want to feel that right now. Stuff. Oh, not thinking about that right now. Stuff. Oh, not blank. And like making decisions based on incomplete pieces, right? And so when we think about this, I think about, and I say this in the lens of like being an F1 race car or a car, just checking your check engine light. Because as long as it comes on and you read it, you can be like, oh, your windshield wiper fluid's low, or you need to add oil before your engine explodes, but you have to be able to like diagnose that code and pause. And that's really what it boils down to. So for those listening who've heard Alex Sharfin on the show and spoken at the event when he says this, and he says, you don't have the business you want yet because you haven't become the person to run it. What it really, really translated for me to and how I explain it is having the capacity to deal with increased stress, noise, and emotions without taking it personal so that you can triage the situation and make the best informed decision to run the best play to give you the best outcome knowing that none of it's predictable but you have to believe you can do it right so pausing taking breath getting into your body knowing that we have to take a bite out of it i think for me is like the most important part right like it's my business it's my life it's my body it's my workout it's my choices it's my decisions like it's my canvas to paint and i think the hardest struggle that i had was that i was too afraid to paint my own because I was like, what if I put the wrong color up? What if I make the wrong stroke? What if this doesn't work? And so I spent my whole life copy and pasting everybody else's paintings. I'm like, no, look, this one's mine. Look, I'm the best here. Look, I'm the happiest here. Look, I'm the greatest here, but never happy. And so at the end of the day, it's just for me now, I'm like, oh, I, I'm responsible for all of this. Like Whatever I see, whatever I feel, whatever I think. And if I don't like any of it, well, I have to kind of go back to the bucket and be like, what color paint do I want to use and pick up a brush and start painting over what I don't like. But no matter how much I stare at it, no matter how much I complain about it, <laughs> unless I take my happy ass to the paint store, that fucking paint is not changing color. Right. So like I have to take action no matter what. And I think if I had to summarize my biggest breakthroughs, it was, it was being able to pause to literally have an awareness of where I am. And then when I find it, choosing an integrous and intentional action and then actually doing it, right? And then seeing it through over and over. And I look at my patterns in life and I don't know if they were like this for you, 
but I was the king of the 95% finish line, which means everybody would celebrate me, but I knew I never gave my 100%. Like there was, I was the only one who knew. I wouldn't celebrate. I'm like, no, I felt sure. It just so happens that my 90% was greater than most people's 100, but I quit. Like, and I did it every single time because I'd lose the dopamine, I'd lose the chase, and I'd go find a new one. And so in all of the integrations for me, it's also the big piece has been consistency, not intensity, right? Like this is about living and being every day, all day. Yeah. Long-term consistency will always be oh, yeah. short-term intensity. So as this comes to fruition and, and really full circle, we could talk about it and even get into it on another podcast about other mm-hmm. aspects of ayahuasca. We talked about it probably for weeks on end, but what I hear is identifying a formula that truly had worked for you that when trying the copy and paste model, there was never an alignment in the actual end result because the integrity behind the scenes was not there. And in this rip off and duplicate world on this self judgment world of I'm using the wrong paint, it's the wrong stroke, but it actually is not good. It's not bad. It just is. It's not right. It's not wrong. It just is. And your formula is different than mine. That's always going to be different than everyone else. And that's why when using your story and going out and delivering your story to the world, why it works so well is because you're in alignment with your formula, your values, your um, your integrity and the product in which you're selling or yeah. the value you're delivering to the marketplace, it always explodes and why it's everyone's recipe for success is because all those things are in alignment. But with ayahuasca, how did it unpack, get you to understand what your formula was for you not for you not to have such a high level of accountability where you stripped yourself down, where you understood it's okay yeah. to start at 6am today, as long as I do these certain things. So you know what, let me be graceful because I did miss my 10 minutes of silent time. And how has learning your formula along with the silent time been an extreme benefit to you, your personal, your family life and your business? Because I heard you say something. I don't know what it was. I was watching a video on you the other day and you said when something is broken down over here is because something internal is off, right? It always comes back to self. It always comes back to center. It always comes back to internal yeah. dialogue. For the people what a good question. that so, maybe so the, are not the biggest, like us, where the shortest they way to answer thrived this, in an accountability type setting, pre-ayahuasca, I was building everybody else's vision and have some type of accountability. Noise, like you related to earlier, where you're like, oh, I have this. Oh, wait, no, there's this negative level. thought. Oh, I have this. There's this negative thought. When ayahuasca helped you remove all of what I call noise, what you were left with is something you couldn't see before, which is like who you want to be or what you like your vision, right? And I had spent my whole life being like, okay, well, I have to make this, I have to do this. And, and, and everyone, including entrepreneurs, start like this, right? You copy a model, you use inspiration, but eventually you hit a point where your kitchen's open, your restaurant's open, but you can't keep serving the same chicken parm as everybody else. You have to add your flavor, right? And for me, the ceiling that I kept hitting is I would always hit this point in revenue, in goals, everywhere. And the next step was trusting myself to try something that I couldn't learn from anybody else, but I never had the self-trust. So instead I would change the business model. I would make a new product. I would make a new offer. And it was always the same spot. And it wasn't that I didn't know how, nobody knew how. Nobody knows how to build your vision except you, it's yours. Nobody's seen it but you. 
It's that I didn't trust myself to take a step knowing that I could adjust it or do it because everything had to be perfect. Because if it wasn't perfect, I'd get beat, I'd get hit, right? So all of it started to collapse, right? The perfection, the Napoleon complex, all of it. But really what it boiled down to is when Brad said to me, your biggest problem is you're building your life for everybody else. And I had never taken the time to ask myself, like, what do I want? I didn't know. And just for the record, it took me three years to answer that question from like a. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had that same, I had that same thing. I would, I give, give, give. And if I can't be there presence wise, like in person, uh-huh. I would give gifts as a lack of being able to be there and be uh-huh. present. And I was always giving, uh-huh. giving, giving. And it was because. Uh-huh. And as crazy as this sounds, to answer your question, one of my biggest healing breakthroughs was when I actually took the time to ask myself, what do I want? And I honestly, integrously, with no filter, started answering it. And I never hit this clarity of like, oh, this is what I want my vision to look like. But I'm like, yeah, no, that feels good. So I'm just going to go build it brick by brick, right? And so this is the part with how. I say this and I said this to somebody the other day, like the best coaches in the world don't tell you what to think. They help change how you think, because what you recognize is that all the NFL teams in the NFL have access to the same plays, the same information, the same tapes. It's how they choose to execute them in a certain order that makes them successful. And it can change every single year, right? But it has to be their order. It has to be their play. And so what you have to recognize is it's completely okay to borrow habits, rituals, clarity, but you can borrow it, but you can't ever let it be the full vision of your life or your business or what you want. And so the actual how of this, if you want to synthesize ayahuasca into some books, it would be Do the Work by Nicole LaPera. And then any one of Benjamin Hardy's books on future self-journaling, which would be Be Your Future Self Now, Personality Isn't Permanent, 10X is Better Than 2X. But then what it boiled down to is on the ayahuasca, which was giving me clarity, like, I don't want this this isn't an alignment. What do I want to do? I didn't know. And my answer was, I don't know. Well, let's go find something. And then it was, look, and then I don't know. Let's go find something. But then the moment I found something, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the workout. And then it's protecting the consistency because I realized one of my biggest challenges was the big swings, right? It was the sprint, 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 18 hours on Christmas. And then I'd fucking recluse away for two weeks and I'm like, no, no, I earned the right to do this, right? And it was just like feast, famine, feast, famine, feast, famine, feast, famine. And so in the gentleness of all of this and in the you need to sit for a little while, it wasn't go sit for 10 hours on a mountain. It was sit for a minute every morning <laughs> and then say, okay, no matter what, I need to do these things. This is what clarity I had in my heart, right? I need to go be this father today. I get to do this, I get to do my meditation, and I get to do this. And I would just pick one thing a day and I protected the consistency. And even from this year now, like this has probably been my greatest rebirth year and I'm the happiest, healthiest I've ever been. But, you know, at the beginning of this year, I was 71 pounds heavier. And everyone's like, well, what's different now? I'm like, well, this will never fall off. Like this was an accident. One day I realized my shorts were falling off and I was like, what happened? But it was consistency and it wasn't intensity. And so everybody's like how and i'm like this is what i've done since january the only thing i've protected is my container which means no matter what time i wake up in the morning it has to be intentional and it has to start with a stillness practice and it's just five minutes and so this morning that happened to be at 5 15 a.m and so in that five minutes i ask myself how does my body want to train today and how does my body want to eat today 
And in my brain, if it pops in hiking, I'm like, great, I'm hiking today. If it pops in stretching, I'm stretching today. If it pops in yoga, I'm doing yoga. And then because I trust myself and I make that intentional decision every day, I then tend to be like, oh, I'm going on a hike. I should eat for the hike. Oh, yeah, let's have this. Let's have this. And it just kind of compounds in. And I just protect those baseline principles every day. Not me in the business, me as a person. So when I get into the business or apply it anywhere in life, I have that momentum and confidence, self-trust. And that was the hardest part. And it's been the accountability to like literally pen to paper in the morning. Okay, what did I say I was doing? Yep, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Boom, it's in my calendar. And that has been, for the craziest part, the hardest fucking thing for me this year. Like, it literally feels impossible to put it in my calendar some days, but I do. And the results are incredible. And that's not resistance to doing it. It's an easy thing to do. It's resistance to what means is on the other side. Keep doing this. There's more responsibility. There's more results. There's more discipline required. There's levels of mastery that come after this, right? And so for me, I say this on the podcast all the time. You've heard me say this. You hear this. You say this. Consistency trumps intensity. So as long as your actions are consistent with who you want to be sometime in the future, you can't lose that game no matter how you feel. And so if that's thinking about in the future, a habit you want different in your sleep or you want to buy an extra 30 minutes of your time or you want to lose five pounds, it's pick a time window and ask yourself, what's one behavior that if you did it every day for 10 minutes would get you there? And then you protect it and you make a commitment to yourself that says, hey, I'm making a commitment to do this irregardless of how I feel. And if I don't feel like doing it one day, I'm going to reach out to this friend, Devin. And I'm going to say, hey, I don't feel like doing this. Will you remind me that I'm worth this? Will you tell me that I'm a king? Will you tell me that I can do it? And then let me get back to it and understand that we're responsible for all the food that goes on our table and we can feed ourselves however we'd like. But we first have to ask ourselves, what do we want to eat? And then we have to be willing to go plant the seed, water the seed, nurture the seed, let it sit for a little while, pick it, cook it and do all the pieces associated. And for me, I think that's the biggest piece. Yeah, because we're landing. And so in order to recap this long winded podcast of an hour and 12 minutes, I think for, for anyone that's thinking if you have PTSD from the military, adolescence, limiting beliefs, negative self-talk, you're dealing with weight issues, breakdowns in your business, the economy isn't where you want it to be, deals are falling apart, interest rates are high whatever is going on, it's always starts between the years right here. And so it's the battlefield of the mind. And ayahuasca has provided us insightful guidance that no one could have provided us in any type of setting other than in a plant medicine ceremony. And I know it can help. I've seen proven testimonials of women that have been raped 26 times at the mm -hmm. end of their ceremonies, feeling like they can have and feel confident having a relationship, people that have been brought back to when they're being delivered with the umbilical cord wrapped around their head, realizing that their daily anxieties come from that type of situation, the understanding of the accountability, the presence, not the presence, how you do one thing is how you do everything, how everything starts and ends with love, how for some reason, these people that are highly um, high producers in whatever industry, it seems like their plate is bigger. It seems like their 24 hours is more than 24 hours, but it's literally 
everything that they do is intentional, has a meaning, and also it's never right or wrong. It just is. So if you want that quick fix, if you want that thing that you've been longing for your entire life, realize that there's a lot of deep rooted things that need to come out that you have to literally go into the roots and take those out. But the fastest fix that I've ever been able to see is plant medicine. And this is exactly why everything always comes back to internal and every decision that's ever been made always comes back to, are you trying to serve people, right? Everyone's running from pain towards pleasure in one way or another in every decision they make. And ayahuasca has been the gateway for me to have a deeper understanding of the world, even though a lot of people have said, I'm an old soul. You've been through a lot. You're quite experienced. I had a lot of limiting factors behind the scenes mm-hmm. that I was hiding, that I was I was covering my pain in work because there yeah. was a direct representation to the value that I delivered in that day to see something come from it. But the hardest work I've ever done is this internal work that has allowed me to break through all those aspects of life that you're talking about. So I hope everyone realizes when listening to this, it doesn't matter what their challenge is because it all connects to the same thing, which is going to be the battlefield of the mind. How do you talk to yourself? What is your formula? What do you want? What is your passion that then can become your purpose? And how do you really unpack all of this? And become so the for everybody version of listening, you? I'm going to start landing the episode and land here, a few disclaimers about ayahuasca about podcasts about a few is always going to so demand like, a new version devin's of experience never devin's mind is mine of and yours is yours right no matter which way you slice it no matter which way you look at it i actually have interesting perspectives and differentiations because um i've seen people come down to costa rica where i was and do transformational breath work on night one and have one of the biggest breakthroughs of their life. And then between them and the shamans realized that that was the experience they needed. It was just to commit to the medicine and come down and not sit with it. And so for me, the inner work has actually been the easiest work. The, the hard part for me was the fact that I made it harder than it was. I overcomplicated it because I was avoiding it over and over. And so for me is whether you feel by the way, it's snowing outside in Montana. It was 68 degrees yesterday, and I just looked out the window and it's snowing. Um, but for me, it's whatever you choose, know that it's a, it's a game of inner work. It's a game of inner awareness. It's a game of knowing your canvas and then deciding like what picture you want to paint and how you paint it and how you hold yourself accountable, how you see yourself, how you forgive yourself, how you love yourself. And any modality is a good modality to start because everybody's experience gets them there differently, right? I have people that have met ayahuasca because their buddy was like, come with me. And they went on day one and changed their life. I have people who looked it up for nine years. I have people who did breath work and even went and assisted but never sat and then did it one time. It's it's so interesting for everybody. But know that any modality you choose and you consistently use is the step in the right direction. So if it's starting with breath or it's starting with meditation or it's starting with future self-journaling, or it's starting with a stillness practice. It's choosing a modality that will get you connected to yourself, knowing that there isn't a right one or a wrong one. They all lead to the same destination. Some of them have NOS. Ayahuasca has NOS. Uh, Iboga has NOS. DMT has NOS. Psilocybin can have NOS, but is also a really fast race car, right? And you kind of have these levels. Breath as well based on how you use it and how you do it can literally be a moped 
or a fucking F1 car because I've had more crazy experiences in holotropic breath work than I have on ayahuasca. So for everybody listening, whatever that is that you feel called to or that you may be thinking of, or you're like, God, I want to try a darkness retreat, or I want to do two days in silence, or I want to do a day in stillness, or I want to go for a hike for four hours with no phone. Those are all the callings. They're all invitations to have a relationship and space with yourself. And so take them. And in them, you might find that it's like, hey, you might want to sit with Mother Ayahuasca. She can help clear out the trash of this ocean and get you straight down to where you want to go. Or just that calling leads you down a cacao ceremony path that opens you up. And then it doesn't matter. But whatever it is, just take a step and take a path. Personally, this is how I answer this question for people. As somebody asked me the other day, like, what are your beliefs on ayahuasca? and people's relationship with it and their use of it. And I said, well, in my opinion, if someone is 1% open, I think they should be required to do it because it's just magic at that point. And everybody's experience is different. That's my own personal belief. And as of recording this, October 24th of 2023, I have not sat with Mother Ayahuasca in about two and a half years. And as of right now, my relationship with her and my body is like, I know her, she's in me and I'm fucking her again. And that's what I am as of today. And who knows, me saying that might smack me in the face and I get an ayahuasca video texted to me in two hours. I'm like, well, I guess Devin and I are going back to Costa Rica. Uh, so that's how the calling. Yeah, the invite, the, the invite's open for sure. I will be going down in December. So for anyone that listens listens to this, wants to hop on, or yourself, I'll be going down in December. And yeah, yeah. Oh, all one of thing it. Yeah, that you yeah, yeah. really changed my life with at the Play Bigger Conference, because I was also a feast or famine type of person. I was like, let's go run 12 miles. Let's go hike the biggest mountain or whatever. Or it's like nothing, let's eat cookie dough or cookies or chocolate chips, whatever. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Dev, you don't have to go uh-huh. to Peru or Costa Rica for like three months and unplug or, uh-huh. or three weeks. How about uh-huh. you try and go super deep in the moments that you currently have and get the most out of them, which also goes into yep. most of us are just going a mile wide and yes. an inch deep and getting all the shit on the surface. Why not go an inch wide and a mile deep and get to the gems in those moments? And so I challenge every single yep. person that listens to this to go god i love that and that is such a good way to end the show i'm gonna land the plane the there gems, because that invitation is for everybody and before you're taken from arizona and you set a goal for 30 minutes but realize that you could go for 45 because you have the time and allowing you to take that from that conference that's what that means in going deeper it means that when your eyes are closed and you're like oh my stillness practice is ending i could go longer it means going longer it means taking the invitation to go deeper wherever they are, right? If you're in breath work and the tears start coming, those are my favorite moments. I breathe faster. I'm like, let's get them out, right? Because if they're coming up, they're coming out. So when he says an invitation to go deeper, just recognize your relationship with time. You can make and use as much of it as you want based on how compressed you are, how focused you are. And just remember, you can only run and win one race at a time. Good luck if they all start at the same time, three miles apart from each other, because you ain't winning any of them. So focus, go deep, and take this invitation. And so for everybody listening, thank you. Um, really interesting emotions and feelings for me on this one in kind of opening 
uh, this up, but also just really, really grateful. So if, if we can do anything, if we can support, you know, how to get a hold of us, really take heed to the advice and to the guidance, but know that everybody's experience is unique. Yours is yours. And I am not here to tell you how to choose it, where to go, how to go. I'm here to choose to inform you and say, think about this, try this, be open to this and make informed decisions because only you know your path. And so take whatever pieces landed for you today, but put them into practice, go deep on them, put them in consistently, and then we'll see in the next episode. So remember that relationships will always be the algorithms. Uh, and actually, Devin, before I do this, where the hell can everybody connect with you on social? I will add this to the beginning too. O-R-T-I-Z, and I'll, I'll include it in the intro too. So everybody make sure if you have any questions for Devin on like Devin's experience or his perspective or anything, reach out. If you have any on mine, if you want to share, you know how to get a hold of me. You know the game. So yeah, uh, we're going to wrap this Devin one. Ortiz, we'll get into the outro. This one was at the upper limit of length. So thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for letting us expose and share our hearts and share our shadows. And uh, I think the more willing we all are to have these conversations, the more we understand that we, we're all pretty similar. We think the same. We feel the same. We struggle the same. And if we can support each other in that, we'll all win the game a lot faster. So Take that. Remember that relationships will always be the algorithm. So I'll see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, we are out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.